These are great chairs. Yes. Oh my. Nerd. Oh, you just got called out. That's pretty absurd. It is going to be a thing. Come on. Bad Philosophy, episode 28, recorded on April 5th, 2009. But is it science? Hello, everyone. Welcome in. One, two, Bad Philosophy coming back at you in video for a second week in the row. Uh, we apologize to anyone who's actually trying to watch us live here. We've been switching back between Justin.tv and Stickam and having issues with the audio, and it's been another shish kebab a doozy do or whatever. I don't know. I don't think that's a word. A lot of shenanigans. A lot of shenanigans. But anyways, we got a good topic here today, and we actually have some... A, a good guest. Um, I don't consider Kevin a guest anymore. He's pretty much a permanent fixture. Kevin Saunders, you're back, and you've got your lapel mic on the right side this time. I switched it halfway through the episode last yeah, time. Yeah, you did. But now you're starting with it on the right yeah, side. Yeah, you know. So it's, it's all good. We also have Eric Butlick on the show today. Um, he was one of the original bad philosophers, actually. I just tend to get busy sometimes, but uh, I'm yeah. glad to be back, so... <laughs> Uh, you said we have a topic. What's the topic? Yeah, we do have a topic today, actually. Um, came up with one before the show, which is, like, totally Rare. not BF. What is science? What the hell is science? <coughs> hmm. And, I mean, that can go any way y'all, y'all want. Let's, I, let's I, start out with, like, okay, let's see if we can define science. What, what, is, what is science as well, opposed I mean, to something else? There's two different ways of looking. I guess I see two different ways of looking at it. One is what do people do when people say, oh, that's science, you know, what, mm-hmm. what are people actually doing? And the other is, you know, what, what kind of statements do people make, you know, what theories are, you know, science mm-hmm. theories. Um, so I guess the question is, which, which do you, are you thinking of? of what, more what people are I doing am... to do science or... Well, what, it, what is scientific? Like, uh, oftentimes, science is given kind of this, this pedestal in, in modern society. Mm-hmm. Like, if something is scientific, it is, it is to be trusted, it is rigorous, it is, it is you know, above speculation or mere uh, conjecture. You know, something is, is science... To say that, you know, scientific studies confirm that mm-hmm. is kind Four of a, a gold stamp. Yeah. <laughs> Except it's not really. A lot of times, studies are really... And I'm... I'm, I won't say I'm in education, but I'm near education. And, in the vicinity and of, of educators. And, and the things that we consider the soft sciences, <laughs> soft sciences being stuff where, I mean, hard science I see as, as stuff that is extremely, not perfectly, repeatable, testable. Engineering, physics, chemistry, yes. biology. You well, know, physics cosmic- is not specifically science. It's the application of the uh, you can do science in physics, though. Um, for instance, like yeah, basic physics part- is science, particle not physics engineering. is science. Yeah. I mean, um, but but you know, so you wouldn't consider yeah. engineering a type of science? Go back to that. Not really, because the focus. I mean, engineers study science and they use science, but they don't really. Um, when you start doing science, um, you start leaving engineering um, and start doing more physics or something like mm-hmm. that. Um, when you're doing engineering. You're taking something that is scientific and then making it useful or valuable or, yeah. or, or applicable uh, to some situation. Um, science, per se, you know, in the pure form, to me, it is going to be just the development of ideas, of theories. Um, hmm. And uh, see, what I what I tend to think of science, first thing I think of is the scientific method that we were mm-hmm. all taught in, like grade school and then high school. Yeah. Come up with a hypothesis, or you have a, a problem, question. a yeah. question, problem, whatever. You form a hypothesis, you form a, a, a plan for how to test your hypothesis, and based on your results, you form a theory about it. Either you confirm the hypothesis or you disconfirm it, and you have to go back to mm-hmm. the drawing board. Um, and then at the end, you know, if you, if you do a really good experiment, if you get really good data, you can kind of form a theory, and then maybe if it's really good, it'll become a law. But very few things Nothing become becomes a law. Laws Nothing becomes laws anymore. <laughs> We've been very, I, you know, the the theory of relativity should be a law. It's it's that confirmed. It's that stable now. Like we we don't know how how it fits in with certain things like uh, quantum electrodynamics, for instance. But 
special I know how relativity. I fit into quantum electrodynamics. <laughs> but special relativity is solid. I mean, we're not talking about something that that's still got it's still up in the air. So uh, you know, but that's that's a topic for is another day. Is there like day. a committee for these sorts of things? I wish. <laughs> I, I wish it was something like the the guys who decided that Pluto wasn't a planet that you know people could just but get they together. They just raised and be their like, hands. Yeah. <laughs> It's like all in favor of Pluto I being a planet. It was a brawl. You know, like all they got powers, everyone yeah. who was smart enough to understand the question together, and then it was just a big fist fight. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think I would have preferred that method actually. <laughs> yeah. Because then, you, then you would have had the uh, had like the big burly guys hired to defend Pluto. Yeah, you know, right. Or, <laughs> this is Hugh. He doesn't like Pluto. <laughs> <laughs> Pluto killed his parents. Uh, At least that's what we're telling everybody. <laughs> so, what, but I, I think of of like. Of science is say so you've got a scientific process that you go through to to solve problems. You know, oftentimes we'll pe- people will, will make decisions arbitrarily. Uh, we make a lot of decisions based on pure conjecture, or like a priori how we think they should go. Uh, you know, you give you give something away for free, it's never going to make any money. You know, that sort of thing. But going back to right, then why don't we test it? Like that's that's always my next question is well. Why don't we see? You know, mm-hmm. why don't why don't we conduct a study? Why don't why don't we have our, our dependent and independent variables? And, and I'll, I'll tell you why. In a lot of things, and and in the hard sciences, it's that's easy to do. Right. In the soft sciences, it is nearly impossible to do a true mm. controlled study. So, like sociology, sociology, psychology, yes, psychology. Um, the, um, and and it's unfortunate that that's the case, but it is because. There is no way. I mean, you can, you can take two chemicals and mix them together and see mm-hmm. what happens. And you can do that consistently and independently. You take two people and mix them together, it, you, you can't do that more than once. Yeah. You can only, in, in, you know, because the two people are different. You can take 100 people and mix them together, and you're still going to get different results. You can take 2,000 people. Your, well, your sample size there increases. Are. Could that be just because the soft sciences are just younger? I mean, like, they haven't, I mean, we, we've, people have been thinking about uh, hard sciences for a mm. long time, and now we know how to mix chemicals, and it, whether it's significant or not, if this, you know, is in there, or, or you know, like, uh, they yeah. used to have ideas about how animals created, it was just spontaneous or something, until right. they started figuring out learning about generation. bacteria or something. Well, spontaneous no. generation um, was a different thing, that was, uh, that was just... But, um, but we've, we've had a, long, a longer history in the hard sciences of what are independent and what are dependent, and the, yeah. the soft sciences, it's a young science, and so we don't know all the variables at play, and we're still sort of developing what are our basic ideas. And well, and so, a lot of times, um, sociologists will kind of play with it. Like, they'll, they'll have a bunch of data, and they'll just say, well, let's try out making, like, holding this one fixed, or this one fixed, Yeah, and, see and they what do get. that, um, but again, again, you're going to have more uncontrollable variables. Mm. You cannot, as things stand now, and I don't know that I want to live in a world where you can, Get a hundred people who are identical, except for one controlled variable, mm. and test something out. Yeah. One of the books that I'm reading um, for my my only education class this semester is called <laughs> Classroom Instruction That Works, and it was done by a huge meta analysis of hundreds of studies, meta, and trying to figure out stuff that worked and stuff that didn't. Yeah. But the meta analysis looked at, at you know, it'd pick a strategy and it would look at every study that had been done using mm. that strategy, and the thing is. And he talks about this in the first chapter. Is the data is such? I mean, he's taking standard deviations and he's taking mm-hmm. you know variance and change. Sure. But there are particular studies where you know particular methods. Almost all of the methods have because he goes into the statistics of it, which is kind of fun if you like that. <laughs> but he says, you know, this is this is an average. This is 0.7 is an average. That means it could easily have been something that was you know 1.14 or 1.4 and something that was point negative seven. Yeah. And so it actually harmed. Students learning in certain situations, uh, and, but, but and the majority of the time it worked correctly. It, it more helped. often than not, yeah. But that doesn't invalidate these studies where it didn't work. In my opinion, it doesn't. Uh, it doesn't validate the ones where it did. It doesn't invalidate the ones where it didn't. Well, not absolutely. You, I mean, you, essentially, once you get into a lot of the soft sciences, you you start entering the realm of probabilities. Because you're going to get to a point where you can't say absolutely 100% of the time it's going to be this way. That's, that's almost a problem with induction right there. You can only say, well, for the majority of cases, and by majority we mean 71% mm-hmm. or something like that, it worked correctly. And if you're okay with that, then do it. But the, the problem then comes from when we start 
And it's, it's not a problem with the science, it's a problem with people. But we'll say, well, okay, 70% of the time this is going to work. Yeah. I'm going to do it. And those other cases, when it doesn't work or make something worse, what, is, what do we do? And is there no sort because thirty percent? I mean, thirty percent is a substantial. Maybe that's better. Deviation is a very significant piece. I mean, it's in in the hard sciences that are well developed. They always are talking about reliability. You know, I mean, the average is just like a a weak way of representing all the data. You need a lot more to understand what all this data is actually doing. And variance is a very important one. And that's. For education especially, um, there's so many factors that create such a wide variance mm-hmm. that uh, all these methods become very sensitive to yeah. some of those things. And, well, and educational study is only about 30, 40 years old. True. Yeah. I, and yeah, it's a very young science. But I, I and say, education of everyone on mass is I guess my kind of point is, as well. despite all the problems with it, like we really, isn't that better than just saying, oh, well, I think it should work this way and, and trying something. And then when it fails, going, oh, well, I guess that didn't work and moving on to something else. I mean, don't we, shouldn't we still Before. try to find out what worked more often than not and try that and then refine it? There's I nothing mean, wrong with that, but it's, it's when, and this is what happens, is when we take these, these large variant studies mm-hmm. and say, well, okay, this works a lot of the time, so we're going to do this now. And do this And only? this is what happens. Mm. I mean, this is why we do standardized testing. This is why which is we, not good. Which is why yeah. we ended up teaching to the test. It's because we said, okay, these variant little things, okay, all students should know this information. Yeah. This is one way of testing whether or not they know that information. It's probably not even the best way of testing. Most teachers will tell you that it's not the best way of testing that information, which is information that they've not gained from studies, from you know, no, no scientific method. They've gained it from teaching yeah. for 20, 30 years. Well, and that, it, it, but it's harder to, to quantify that sort of thing. It's harder, oh, it's harder for, for teachers to go, well, I did, I did X, Y, and Z, and, mm-hmm. and they worked, and they worked 95% of the time. Like they, they're not doing that systematically. They're kind of qualitatively feel, feeling out what no, works No, it is, best. and, that's, and that, that works sometimes, but I'm saying... Why not trust a, you know more a more rigorous scientific basis for it? Let's let's take that as a springboard and then do a more controlled study with kind of looking you, at you these, can start that these things that they've intuited over the years. The the problem is that it's 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 really hard to again because of the variables. Mm-hmm figure out what is working and what isn't. <laughs> yeah, I guess for something like gravity, we've, we've sort of intuited that generally things go down, so we don't have to, we don't have to posit negative gravities and well, test for those Well, but, you know, initially. Aristotelian <laughs> physics, what, what did Aristotelian physics well, Oh, yeah, things he go thought, to their proper place. Things constant. will move only if you keep pushing them or something. Right, well, like and he, a, thought, he thought that uh, this attraction was a, a constant movement. Right. He thought that things fell at a constant rate, mm-hmm. which was mm-hmm. not true. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, and and he, also, he also said that things, everything has... A particular distance from the ground that it's supposed to be. Yeah. And they go to that. That's why clouds are in the sky. Clouds don't fall down. Yeah. As, I mean... I have, I have issues with Aristotle. <laughs> I'm just going to put that on record. I put it elsewhere, but I, I have problems yeah, with Aristotle. He was, he was wrong about a lot of things, but he was... But it was a was good right first crack at it, you know? Like, it, it was. And it was like you said, it was the point. first system... It was, you know... It was intuiting something the and then going, well, I'm going to form a theory that, about mm-hmm. this. So, I mean, he was doing science way back then. Oh, yeah, I agree. And, and it, was, it was a good precursor to, you know, positing that, well, you know, the gods keep everything in place and... And, this, and that's a similar this. position to how we are with the social sciences and the soft sciences. Right. Is that, you know, well, stuff falls, okay? And, yeah. and that's about we, as good as a misstatement as we can make for now yeah. until we start creating this. We have the system that works and we sort of live in the system and start seeing how and in what ways the system fails and start refining it. Because we have a lot, of, a lot of folk psychology notions. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of, of ideas about how people are supposed to think. Common how they sense. Generally, yeah, common sense. This, Air quotes. Oh, that's a, okay, this is an interesting topic. So common sense will often go against uh, good scientific, sense. yeah, good science. So why do we trust common sense so much? Is it, is it simply that, that, well, you know, a majority of people take up this position, so we're going to follow it? <laughs> I mean, it's, there's, there's nothing... There's some of that. I sort of see it as like a, a way of coping with a world bigger than us, you know, like e- even the most well-educated, most academic uh, scientists... Mm-hmm. Um, there's still things they don't know when they interact in the world. And right. So in order to just sort of just live in the world, they have to come up with initial primitive ideas, working models mm-hmm. um, that aren't great but are practical. You know, they, they get 
a lot of bang for the buck and let them sort of, you know, get most of the answer and then not worry about it and well, focus their attention elsewhere. Your... You know, it's an engineering yeah. kind of a view. Yeah, that, it's, a, it's a pragmatic view. Yeah, okay, yeah. we get error, who cares? We spend only two cents and get the solution. Yeah. <laughs> and then I... let the customer suffer with the, uh, <laughs> the error. <laughs> well, that's a completely different thing. But, but uh, common sense is, is interesting because, because it is... Common sense, I had a professor tell me this once, Dr. Chansky, thumbs up for Slurpees. I doubt you're watching, but if you are, that is freaking amazing. <laughs> wow, yeah, yeah. Common sense and good sense rarely overlap. Mm. Because common sense comes from, well, this is how we've done it for a long time, so let's keep doing it that way. Exactly. Good sense, there's no thought in that. It is, it is tradition-bound. It is, it is, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Right. But how do you know it's right. not broke if you don't think about it? Exactly. Like maybe it's bad philosophy, how may we help you? <laughs> <laughs> that phone follow us? <laughs> oh my god. I, I, don't, I don't know if it's fair to criticize it so much. I mean, it seems like, you know, having this sort of uh network you know, in, uh, structure of common sense sort of creates creates a foundation for be, to begin thinking about uh these things. Okay, this is how things have been and this does these things okay? Let's start asking why. You know, until until you just sort of dive in and start getting sort of, I guess, an intuitive feel or just a, like a, you know a lived-in experience of it. Yeah. You can't really think about these things. Like I don't know. Does the moon rotate around the Earth or Earth rotate around the moon? I don't know until well, you start and, diving yeah. into yeah. you know astronomy. And, and there is some of that. I mean, common sense can provide a a base of easy to follow rules. Yeah. Um, Donald Westlake Westlake um, wrote a book called Put a Lid on It. I think he's written numerous crime novels, most of them humorous. Well, one of his characters had this, it wasn't a tick, but it was just kind of a, a life philosophy called The Thousand and One Rules. Mm -hmm. and, there was, and there was always a rule about whatever he was doing. And they, they weren't like formalized or organized, <laughs> okay. but he's like, it's one of the thousand and one rules. And that's how he got through life, because he didn't know how to interact with people and he couldn't figure it out. So he had these rules to fall back on, and mm. generally they helped him out. Generally, they worked well um, because they, they came out of life experience. Yeah. They, they didn't just make them in a vacuum, but, you know, this is a guy who'd been in jail multiple times. Um, he, had, he had done, you know, he lived a dangerous life, and so he had these rules to fall back on. Always. And that's, and that was, that's a, a really literal way of looking at common sense, though, is, you know, someone slaps you, what do you do? Uh, cry or slap them back. Nine Usually. times out of ten, you will you will not hit them back. I would imagine. Yeah, probably. Wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, because because uh, a slap is a very shocking. We've talked about slapping each other on the show before. Yeah, but it's it's. <laughs> but it's it's one of those things that <laughs> we have we have these kind of rules say, that we have developed. <laughs> these rules that we have Just developed that could be planet. called common sense yeah. that don't necessarily have a reason behind them. Yeah. I mean, the the mere fact that common sense comes out of you know the the fact that it's worked from times before, I think that's enough of a reason to accept it as a starting point. Uh, maybe you, a starting point, but I mean, this and was, I think common sense is exactly that. It's a starting point. Well, this was Hume's issue. Like, he he knocked down the notion of inductive logic. Like, mm -hmm. you know, you may observe a thousand swans, and they may all be white, but that does not mean that. All swans are white. Mm -hmm. You cannot. You can't make this this leap to a, a universal claim. Which, which and I think is what we often we like do. to do that with common sense. We like to say, "Well, it's always been like this. It will always mm -hmm. be like this," and that's where we get ourselves into trouble. Yeah. And that's where I think a lot of these these non scientific studies get into trouble, um, or even scientific studies sometimes, because yeah. you can make you can make claims that go too far. You can you can take your data and you can go well. Wow, this is this is really concrete. You know, ninety nine percent of times it worked. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, you're still you've still well, got when that. you have six billion people in the world, yeah. one percent is a substantial number. Right, I, and true. I mean, <laughs> true. one percent is sixty million yeah. people. Big numbers. Yeah. Yeah. So um, if you if you make a generalization, you're still talking about a pretty huge mm -hmm. quantity. Now, granted, that's gonna. That depends on yeah. on the actual another, another situation. Another thing about uh, about common sense is is where it comes from is is it's the same terminology as like the town commons back in the day. Yeah, it was everybody's. It, it was for everybody for to use. It was everybody's for which to use. I don't know. English ain't my first language. 
<laughs> but I'm um, pretty sure it is, Kevin. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, gibberish, yeah. maybe. I, I don't speak this language of yours. Baby talk. But <laughs> everybody Gaga. used it. Everybody hey. used it, and everybody was free to use it. <laughs> However, some people could use it better than others, which is where private property came from. Yeah. And yeah. because of that, the general common sense comes from everybody using it, not necessarily because it's being it's correct or used well. Yeah. So so. Going back a, a few steps, uh, talking science and education. Stephen, you recently mm. judged a, was it a high school science it was, fair? It was elementary and high school. Elementary the, and high school. The South Plains Regional Science and Engineering Fair. Okay. Second year I've done it. Um, fantastic experience. If you're in, in the sciences at all, I recommend judging one of these things. Uh, the coolest part for me, of course, was uh, just walking along these aisles of kids and having them snap to attention whenever you walk by, um, I felt so old. You are old. Ah, it was like, finally I realized, oh my God, I'm an adult now. (laughs) I am Mr. Torrance. And I'm like, oh, I can't do this. I can't, like, I tried to be, like, playful with them and just be like, no, you know, it's it's cool. I had that look in the eye. I couldn't, because they were just, they they got nervous around me. And I... I saw, I've, I've but, seen two students in the past, like, 24 hours, like, out in the real world, and I just, like, try to avoid them. Yeah, because it's, it's so strange. Um, you know, once you have that hat of authority on, it just totally changes the social dynamic. Mm-hmm. But regardless, uh, besides being very fun in that regard, it was a good chance to kind of see what kids are doing with science in elementary school and high school today. And uh, the difference... Even in one grade level, so I, I first judged fifth graders. Mm-hmm. Uh, so these are what nine, ten year old kids. Uh, fifth grade is a, generally by this point in the year they're ten. Ten, okay. Uh, and they there were some really good projects. Uh, there's of course that that question of whether they did they all did. the work on it or if their parents kind of contributed. That's what I was thinking. I graded one for school, and I remember the shock of the fifth graders being better than the high schooler presentation. Some of them were. Some of the <laughs> all, all high school of them were, except like one or two high schoolers. Well, because they care about it more. I think you know that it's oh, only like the, maybe the second or third time they've it. done this. And uh, that's, it was, that's a more optimistic view than I had. I, <laughs> I was suspicious of, oh, okay, so yeah. how much parent involvement was there? Really? Which I, I, yeah. I had one in particular that I did in fifth grade that, I think it was, yeah, it was fifth grade, I did that was a, I did an experiment with a double pendulum mm-hmm. um, and looking at energy transfer. I was in fifth grade. Mind you, I was a really smart fifth grader. Well, now, who suggested that to you? Was that, like, your teacher or your dad? Or I think I found it on the internet. Okay. Um, if I recall correctly, because I, I, I did. I spent a lot of time on the internet looking for science. Fair. My first science fair idea for that year got rejected mm. by my teacher because he said you're smarter than that. What, what was your first idea? Um, testing the tensile strength of action figures. <laughs> that sounds interesting. Like trying, was to, fun. trying to rip Superman apart. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was really just an excuse to play with action figures. But yeah. she's like, no, you're doing something smarter than that. And I'm like, okay. And I think I got back on like AOL and, and mm-hmm. like dogpiled because I, I use dogpile pre-Google dogpiled <laughs> um, you know science fair project ideas and that was one that I found Okay, and it had plans for building a double pendulum and I built it with my father's help because power tools and I'm 10 Yeah, but all of the actual intellectual work was mine you know studying the transfer times things like that and so I was an exceptional Student, mm-hmm. mind you, the the person that won that year in the school level went on by testing the lifespan of batteries oh, in particular electronic equipment. I've seen a battery thing every single year. You know, you know what he Which did? Which brand lasts the longest? He, he, okay, the, the general thing that I've seen is you put them in flashlights, turn the flashlights on, check them every fifteen minutes. Yeah, that's that's a good. Way. You know what he did? He put. Then this was back when those portable laser tag games were really awesome. Yeah, he played laser tag until the batteries ran out. <laughs> Uh, which, which I, again, being the facetious little fi- fifth grader that I was, pointed out that those don't have consistent drain on the batteries. Yeah. Because, you know, w- doing different things with those may you've use got, more power than case, others. you've got multiple, what, dependent variables? Yeah. 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 Well, it's just not repeatable uh, experiments. Yeah, because yeah. because you know, are you shooting a lot and that's going to make you know more noises, more laser? Is yeah. that going to waste battery faster, or are you hiding more and that's going to make it go slower? And and that kid went on to the next level, 
and I did not. Because, possibly because my experiment was too intelligent for people, because that's a, that is a question that comes along. Is, yeah. You know, yeah. Is like, you're a fifth grader, you I mean, can't do this. It's, yeah, and it's, it's a legitimate concern because there are a lot of, you know, projects out there that are done by parents and given to their kids. Mm-hmm. Well, in a, in a lot of cases, the kids are not doing science. This is, this is mainly why I wanted to bring up the science fair thing. Because a lot of kids will go, let's see if I can dye sheets with vegetables. And while look There's at no that, scientific method. I can dye sheets yeah. with vegetables. It's, like it's, it's not that's not science. It's You're about not answers, testing. you know, yeah. like solutions yeah. as opposed to like you know reasoning or searching for you know uh, new ideas or something. Right. You know, it's, it's it's everything like and I've experienced this a lot is that everything is just has some sort of like you know simple basic matter of fact. Oh, it's just C. Circle C, that's it. Right. As opposed to an interesting question to explore. For instance, I, I, w- I would contrast these with like a high school girl who just blew my mind. She's, she presented like a, uh, the second part of a multiple year project testing to see whether uh, silica gels and aerogel, okay. which are uh, desiccant materials, they, absorb, they suck up water. They suck up water, they suck up moisture. Okay. Whether adding those to a dryer, like putting, putting a packet in the, in the door, would actually reduce your drying time. So if you could, you could like use them to save energy, huh. essentially. And uh, she did it very, I know, it was, <laughs> it was a fantastic idea. Um, she did it very systematically, um, testing like, you know, weights of the load. She had, she had consistent um, measurements for the, the material that she was drying. Mm-hmm. Um, she used the, the same amounts of packets. She used different um, quantities of packets in there yeah. and then wow. did, did multiple trials on all of them. And her board was eight feet tall. Like they have, <laughs> they have about three feet wide that they can yes. do on, and the, gotta go on up. the tables. So she just went higher <laughs> rather than... That's funny. <laughs> yeah. Some kids had notebooks, but this was... It's one just, way to cheat the system. Because not only was she herself about two inches taller than me and most of the guys <laughs> there, but her board was taller than everybody else's. So That's pretty intimidating. I know. <laughs> like, um, you might say you she come had... from giant land? <laughs> you might say she had bigger <clears throat> than uh, most of the guys, so... But it, that's, it was that's an interesting idea. But, but here's the deal. Like, she started with a problem. She mm-hmm. did rigorous testing. She had all of her charts there, all of yeah. her data, and drew results from it. Like, she calculated, is this energy efficient? Is this cost effective? Is it? N- not quite. Okay. If you can, If you can reuse the silica packets more than 10 times, which some of them, yeah, um, uh, yeah. then it becomes cost effective. But aerogel, even though it works the best, it yeah. reduces drying time by like a third. Putting aerogel wow. in, in the dryer. That's yeah. impressive. Um, but you... But it's, it's, it's cost, like $2, it's, it's, it's like it's $2 a packet yeah. and, it, and versus like 37 cents of electricity used. So mm. if, you can, if you can use the packets and reuse them, you might be able to save money. Huh. Which you can, with silica gel, you can put it in the microwave, heat it up, and the moisture If she got out. that close, there might be really something to that. I know. And she's, <laughs> she said she plans to continue it a little more. And like, make it more some, efficient. Yeah, wow, make it more really efficient cool. and uh, testing. So, and that's science. And that was in 10th grade. That yeah. was a 10th grader doing that. I was blown away. Um, some of her peers, for instance, one guy used a, a trigonometric method and punched a bunch of numbers into his calculator to find pi to like 20 digits. That's not science. That was his project. I was like, really? Maybe a math project. One guy uh, was going to build like a, a motor that took electricity from finger tapping or like yeah. wiggling your fingers or whatever, and he didn't even build it. Like he got to the conceptual stage and didn't even yeah. build it. Um, it was, and so, but a lot of the kids, even in the lower grades, had cool stuff, you know, testing like lead content of soil um, well, but those same kids then become high schoolers and have projects that, you know... Might be even Potentially. Better. Some of them... No, that suck. On that end of the spectrum. All uh, those projects that you see in the high schoolers that sucked, they were fifth graders at one time in that same pool. Yeah, um, yeah. And so you're looking at... So what's happening to these I would, fifth graders I would like that to are all doing awesome projects and in high school? They lose interest. I would, I mean, well, here's, here's what happened to me, and I don't know if this is related, but, you know, anecdotal evidence. Yay! (laughs) Um, Fifth grade, I did the double pendulum. It took a lot of work, took a lot of effort, was a lot of fun, had no long-term benefit. Like, I I didn't move, I didn't go on. I stayed at the school level. You didn't build? Nothing, nothing, I didn't, I didn't advance. Hmm. And the next year, I'm like, I'm not going to put this much effort into it, (laughs) because it didn't come about. Oh. So, so I did... So become jaded. Well, I did the boiling temperature of various liquids. Okay. Yes, That's thank you, Jed. Like, Jed gave me a good face palm. This was sixth yeah. grade. And um, I went on to, like, the regional competition. 
Yes. What? I know. I know. And it's one of those things that I'm. I'm. I'm I was shocked because I. I blew it off. I sat there with a candy thermometer and boiled stuff. But that's that's what happened. That's what they. And I don't know. Like the judges were a wide range of people. You had some. Some were professors, and there were a lot of different awards to give out, by the way. So yeah. not all of the judging was for, like, going into regionals and such. Yeah. Um, I was there giving out the American Physical Society Award. Uh, there were a lot of, there were people from HHMI and biology and, and various fields, but some of the judges were literally the local newscasters. Yeah. Like, and I saw them there, I was like, oh, that's the weather guy from K-something-something. And was it Matt Ernst from uh, Fox? I watch him in the uh, It's the tall guy with the uh, mustache. No, it's not Really thin guy. No, that, no yeah. that's uh, Channel 11, I think. Yeah, something like that. But I, and th- So there was really no consistency in the judging. They were kind of like... I got, I got to do some of the general judging as well. And I saw people going to second round. Like, I, I did some of the second yeah. round judging. That shouldn't have made it past this, the first round. I'm like, yeah. this is not a science project. I, I almost, for one girl... I almost gave her a, a white ribbon, which is like you fail. <laughs> and they specifically thanks for trying. They specifically told us like you really only want to give out red and blue ribbons. Red is like the good job, yeah. Uh, and blue ribbon is like <laughs> yeah, that's it's pretty good. All, All right. right, you know. Um, but the white ribbons are like no. <laughs> and I almost I almost gave it to they her. They still get ribbons. Yeah, yeah, they still get ribbons. I. Here's an know. award for failing, but Here's showing up. Yeah. Oh, that, well, that's, showed up. that's another problem you with education. Stoned. Good job. Is the fact that everybody <laughs> you weren't stoned. Okay, here's 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 a, a, a Saunders rant. Dude, if a kid did a, uh, a an experiment, something to do with marijuana, like he I would, would get arrested. No, <laughs> I would give him a blue ribbon and then call the cops. That's freaking awesome. Okay, here's here's a quick Saunders rant. Come back to me, Jed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we give students ribbons for doing anything. For showing up, they may not excel, but they succeed. And students get this mindset of, I showed up, why am I not successful? Yeah. And, be, and, and this, is, this is the mentality that we have. I have students, we did um, performances in my baby theater class just recently, this past week or so, and... The minimum grade they can get, if they get all fours, it's one to four, one is good, four is bad. If they get all fours, they get a 60. But that's, that's how she wants them to be graded. And I'm like, okay, fine. You get a 60. And it just, it's one of those things that I'm like, I, I can't, well, it's not my class, so I'm not going to argue with it. But there is a point when you show up and you stand there reading your script and just looking at the lines with another person standing there reading their script, that is not performing. No. Yeah. That is, you're not, just you're like doing the kids, nothing. the kids who just read their board. Like mm-hmm. that's, I walk up, I'm like, so tell, tell me about your project. Yeah. What you do? What you find? Blah blah blah. And they would just read what's already on their board. I'm like, I, I almost to a couple of them, I said, you know, I, I can read. Now tell me more yeah. about what you but, did. But that's, but that's summarize this. And those kids would make sixties <sighs> on their stuff. No, because well, sixty still failing. Yeah, but it's a lot better than a zero. Well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, what's the difference? I mean, you, you do that, and we have we have quizzes failure's every like failure's week. Failure, unless you give them an award. For well, they can, well they can bring it up though, because a sixty can be recovered. Oh, from. so they can recover from a sixty. They can, you and want they them do. To fail so bad they can't recover. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes I, I, I do. I think we should we should allow failure because. But you should also allow recovery. I mean. Well, yes, it's never so bad that you can't come if, back. If and, there is you know, redo it or something. Yeah. If a student were to turn around after receiving a failing grade and try harder, work harder, and try to excel instead of trying to recover, I would appreciate that. Mm-hmm. And I would, I would let them recover. I would let them potentially excel. But if a student just says, well, I can't fail this class because i got to play football, that is not a desire that well, I'm going to like, reward. Right. We all come into the class with different motivations. Well, certainly. Like, no, no, uh, there's... There's not many people who are like, I have nothing better to do. I guess I'll go to college. <laughs> um, well, I mean, like, there are quite a lot of few those. actually who like, do that. Yeah, you're right. I, saying that, I have to take that back. But, I mean, <laughs> Granted. it seems to me that when I'm in a classroom and I'm talking to these students, the vast majority of students would rather be somewhere other than the classroom at that yes. time. And, and they rejoice when class is canceled. Yes. You know? And so, you know, that's... Everyone's here 
because you're trying to get you're trying to accomplish something, not necessarily because they you know want to learn the subject. Mm -hmm. And I understand that. Um, but at least in college, I as a professor can say, if you don't want to be here, leave. You can. <laughs> I can, and I will. But you gotta understand that people you know don't want to be there, but still have to for one reason or another. But there is there is a there is a. You're not really. I will, I will explain to them. You're that sort there of is. failing to understand where your students are coming from. When you no, say I understand that. what they're coming from, but I I. Uh, you're neglecting it. I'm ignoring it. You're ignoring it. <laughs> because I'm going to teach things. I'm going to teach theater. Mm -hmm. If you are in a theater class and you don't want to be there, don't be. Yeah. I'm sorry. Like, okay, yeah, you're taking intro to acting because you need a fine arts credit. Good for you. If you're not trying and you don't act like you want to be here, I'm not going to support you. Well, yeah, <laughs> At least act like you're acting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that's, that's show at least a little bit of intuitive. They do have to still thing. invest in the class. But, but and yeah. that's what, and the majority of that. them come to school and say, I was in class every day. Why am I failing? Uh, yeah. Attendance is not everything. Uh, no, attendance is not everything. Yeah. And, but and but coming it's, to it's class something to every say. Day. I mean, this, this happens in engineering. I don't know if it happens a lot in others. But we'll have students that show up every day and work hard. I've you've seen them. They they spend hours studying. That's not the same thing as just um, showing up every day. And they still fail. Well, yeah, but I mean, it's important to recognize that there there's there at least there are a number of students that want to be committed. Mm -hmm. They just don't know how, or they don't have a sufficient background. But um, should we reward we, effort for effort's sake? No, but we should seek out methods for reconciliation between where the students are and where the class should bring them. You know, and, and just giving sort of like a, a very you know rigid. This is what we're doing. Get on board, or sucks to be you. I mean, See, sort that's of misses the idea of education. I think. I, I don't. You know, I, I've always thought that like education is supposed to be a preparation for getting a job or working in a job environment, and and a lot of a lot of a degrees are a trade. Well, a trade school, but okay more like a life those. a life trade school. Okay. So in a job environment, are you gonna get an E for effort? Are you gonna Are you gonna like no. get get pulled up? You know, you're gonna get fired. I'm sorry. The, I'm in, really in, surprised by how many people in the working force are really incompetent at what they well, do. Well, granted, I mean, the, unfortunately, this this philosophy it's, of just like letting people get by does continue into the actually job world. really scary. Which it shouldn't, <laughs> but I'm saying like, in it in a serious job, they ain't gonna fly. Like you're not gonna be able to just do the bare minimum and still get your paycheck. Yeah. Uh, either you will get a deduction in your pay, or you will get fired. And it, I mean, in the current Let's job environment. Well, right. Join a, <laughs> join a union, and you're you've got your parachute built in. Right. I'm not so sure about that. I mean, it's. What's well, a lot of harder it's, to fire You'd be surprised how how close people can get, uh, or, you know, doing how uh, bad some people job, can do. Yeah. How bad people can do, and still get mostly something to keep perpetuating. Yeah. On. See, this is why, I, and you it kind of goes back. I know we talk about people Strengths might be Quest able to survive. too much, we, not too much, but, but a lot much. I I like this this other paradigm of not not weakness fixing, not keeping people at the bare minimum, but like really rewarding success. Mm -hmm. And this is what, like, I think going back to the science fair thing, I think the rewards for succeeding in the science fair should be far more significant. I think, you know, all that money we spend on the white ribbons, just nix that. Just give the money to the blue ribbon kids. Give the money to the blue ribbon kids. <laughs> you know, create, create these, like, super incentives. So, like, you want to do well. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not for these kids, like, oh, well, you've got to participate. You have to. It's not you have to. You want to. Yeah. You make these kids incentives. choose. Give them incentives to succeed. Right. Not... I don't think you really... Not disincentives to fail. I, yeah. I'm not, I'm not so sure. I mean, like... Positive reinforcement. Kids right. naturally have their own motivations. And so, I, like, I see that, you know... Well, if a kid I, is a, I've seen people try to, like, you know, create motivation and enforce motivation on, on, on their students, and it's artificial at times. Well, there has to and be... And right. it seems better if you can just recognize what's motivating the students and connect that to the teaching. There what, has to be why are you trying internal to study this? and external and motivations. Make yeah. that... With an internal motivation, students are more likely to succeed than with an external motivation. Exactly. exactly. But an external motivation can cause students to do well. Yes. It, it is I would just say hundreds of times easier, I'm exaggerating, to do so with an internal motivation. Here we, here we go with common sense and yeah. again. But no, no, th this, is, this is one of those things whereby... This is one of the things that education studies have shown. So, you know, oh, take it with oh, a grain of salt. Go, yeah. Scientific but studies. Woo! Internal motivation 
no does, lies here. In fact, <laughs> I had I, okay. Side note: I had a I had a sociology professor say to me many years ago. I just like this table, and I'm leaning on it. Yes. We can we can both be in the same frame this way. Oh, I feel excluded. That's okay. Oh, that's I had a sociology just professor, you, you know, writing stuff on a board, talking about tracking, mm -hmm. which I don't know if y'all are aware of tracking. You put, you know, there's there's three tracks for students to be on. There's the eagles, the sparrows, and the pigeons. Uh -huh. um, and they all mean what you think they mean. And so, you know, when you're, when you're in kindergarten, you get put on the eagle track. And you, you, you are, you know, you're going to succeed. You're going to do really well. We're glad you're going to, you know, you're going to do well. And they, those students do because, they're on, because, you know, we've identified that there are eagles. Yeah. The kids <laughs> in the middle are on the sparrows. Wow. And we've identified that this. And it this, sounds like this Brave is, New World. This is something that happens. Um, <laughs> tracking, there's, tracking and detracking are huge thing that people argue about. This happens in yeah. education. This, I was on bad. a track. And and it's, and then the, the pigeons and get the problem problem is the lack of mobility. Well, the thing is, the thing is, the, the, going back to my, the original point, my 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 sociology professor is a detracking supporter. She doesn't not like tracking, uh -huh. but she goes, they've done studies, so this is true. This is a statement that she made in class one day. Oh boy! <laughs> and I've stuck by that for oh. years. But um, the, the thing is, right now we don't know. Common sense says tracking is bad. Have there been any? There's, there have like, been studies of tracking and detracking. And what, what does I mean? No conclusion has been drawn yet. No conclusion. Yeah. So no, no hard, firm conclusion has been drawn. Bad. I mean, like you're you're basically pigeonholing, you know, pigeonholing the person into okay, no you're a you're a C kind of student. You're a pigeon kind of student. And you will always and you will be a always C be yeah. a C kind of student. That is, and again, we have this inductive lead problem. You will you have always done this. Therefore, yeah. in the future, you will do this. I, but I feel like there really needs to be a lot of mobility. Especially when you're looking at people that are young, because mm -hmm. there is such an opportunity for them to grow up and change. Yeah, imagine yeah. that growth and change. I, if um, you if you had had tracked me five years ago for my math abilities, you you would never have pegged me to go into the I sciences. I only failed out of high school. <laughs> and I'm, I'm like just, a triple I, major I don't now. Know. You're a triple major in grad student. With like, like a three eight five it GPA. Took, it took one year of the best math teacher I'd ever had to turn me around into a math person. Mm -hmm. And I, I, like, in high school, early high school, I mm -hmm. never would have anticipated being a math person. But this, and you know, you know what I this am. is, Stephen? This is an anecdote. Okay, it's an anecdote. <laughs> but it, it, it disproves that in all cases, it will be true that these people will, yeah. will constantly be the same. So you track them at one level and they will constantly stay at that level, which is kind of the assumption behind tracking. It right? is. That people don't change, but no, they do. it is. It is, but but yeah, then the I, question I think is, even if you were to prove that, you is there an upward limit for people? Do people have an upward limit? Probably no. I don't think so. I don't know. <laughs> Probably no. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> yes, no, maybe. But but the question, but but that question is, and good, we have all time, and we do see students who are C students and are consistently C students without tracking programs. Yeah, and. For whatever reason, ability, motivation, desire, which is like motivation but differenter. <laughs> differenter? But differenter, um, you heard me. Bad philosophy, inventing words since one minute Shakespeare ago. Shakespeare did it. Oh, yeah. Shakespeare did Shakespeare it. Shakespeare invented we? eyeball. Really? Yes. We had eye, we had ball, he put them together. Oh, wow. thank you, Shakespeare. <laughs> I did not know that. What did they call him before that? Um. Eyes. Eyes. Okay. Yeah. Well, no. Um, I, and it's funny because I use eyeball all the time in my class because that's that's a keyword that we use for students. <laughs> Pavlo Pavlovian response. You know, hmm. um, I say, "Let me see your eyeballs." And they're supposed to be quiet and look at me. Doesn't work, but that's wow. what they're supposed to do. Um, <laughs> Pavlov. Hmm? Oh, do they, do they not? They do not start drooling. Oh. But um, well, it, it, it works in some classes and not in others. No, my advanced theater class, it works really well in. My okay. baby theater class, it does not because that's an, an, a motivation thing. My baby theater classes need a fine arts credit. My advanced theater students like theater. They want to be in this class. Yeah. Um, they've put in the time and effort. They went through baby theater and they want to be in the. They want to continue doing this, and so they're willing to accept the the procedure of let me see your eyeballs and they be quiet and look at me. Mm -hmm. Internal and external motivations. So, are we getting any feedback from the chat room? It's, it, it's pretty much just my mother, isn't it, still? Oh, I forgot about that one. <laughs> that was a good one. I wonder if the um, irradiation had anything to do with that. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't, like, severely irradiate. But, okay, okay. Pot okay, potato. <laughs> oh. Potato in a jar. Like, okay. everybody's done potato in a jar. 
I never do. Well, you should do jar. potato in a jar. What do you mean potato in a jar? You put a potato yeah, so in a like, jar. You, 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 you spend a potato in a jar of water where it's like half submerged. Okay. Put toothpicks in on the sides and you like rest on the top. Oh, and then it grows. Oh. And it grows. Okay. Yeah. Um, I wanted to see if, and mind you, this was not scientific because I didn't, I, had, I didn't have a lot of control over some of the stuff. But I went to, I got four different potatoes, uh-huh. and I did different things. Now I stuck one in the microwave. I put one. In, this was back when cell phones were dangerous. So I put one in a box with a cell phone, <laughs> and I called it three or four times. Wait, cell phones aren't dangerous nowadays. No. Oh. Um, I had a control, and then I, I went to the um, to the dentist and had them X-ray my potato. Whoa, that's cool. Um, I so so you we, ask we them to, you asked them to do that. My dentist, like, like my dentist is cool. Oh, like I've been yeah. going there my whole life. <laughs> and so I kind of I, I, I was you know. Yeah, but X-ray exposure is like almost nothing. Well, that's yeah. Did you tell them to do like a triple dose? Well, or we did. We did. We did the same amount. We did. What would happen? We did like four shots. Like what? Or however many you get for your mouth. Okay. Like that. So the average amount of radiation. Yeah. And the microwave one died and rotted. <laughs> Not surprising. <laughs> Not surprising. <laughs> Um, and then the other three did varying levels of well. I mean, they got substantially tall. Huh. But I, I didn't think about, because I was in, you know, fourth grade or whatever, um, the idea of the pre-lifespan of the potato, when they were picked, how long they had grown beforehand, um, how so quote-unquote ripe they were. Some of the variables were... were and and yeah. because I think the X-ray one grew the most, mm-hmm. um, because X-rays give you superpowers, if you believe comics in the 1950s. Yes, of course. I mean, just get yourself irradiated, and you will be a latex-wearing superhero. Or get bitten yeah. by something that was irradiated. Yeah, that works, too. Yeah. I was bitten by a potato, a radioactive potato. <laughs> potato man. Not only was it radioactive, it grew a mouth and bit me. Hi. Power to make grits. What, what would you, yeah, what would you be? Like, what, could you, like, vomit grits? <laughs> yeah. Useless superpowers. You have a grit gun. So you're like, boy, I, your friends are like, boy, I'm hungry, and then you can just be like, hand me a bowl. Grits anyone? <laughs> there you go. It'd be great for any bad guys who had like an allergic reaction to potato. Oh, yes, exactly. You just go up to them. No, grits, I'm melting. Oh. Very maybe, specific supervillain. Yeah, well. Maybe, you know, so. maybe you'd also have the power to like heat the grits inside of you first. So even if they weren't like allergic right. to it. You'd, you'd have natural electrical abilities because potatoes yeah. can be batteries. Of course. So you, know. so you can like. So can lemons. You can, you can, you can heat it up in sort of a, a, a pre-vomiting chamber. And then. And sped an electrified, heated. Right. I would prefer to think it would just turn you in. I, I think it would just give you the proportional strength of a potato. Okay. <laughs> Which is... So you could sit That's there. what happened to Spider-Man. Oh, okay. You get the proportional strength of a spider. So you'd be mashable. You'd so be evidence fair. has shown... <laughs> Scientific! Oh, yes. Science! Sort of a common sense argument. Did Bill and I ever talk about this? Did he ever talk about the, uh, the kind of the oddballs things in science? Like Probably. How, how you can't always trust it, but... I don't know. Because a lot of the Bill Nye stuff. Was, I haven't watched Bill Nye in a long time. Your entire scientific knowledge. I on, want to get. I wish Bill Nye were on Hulu, honestly. Oh, dude, Hulu, put Bill would, Nye on. I yeah, love Hulu. Please, Hulu, like if, and then have have Bill Nye do one of the Hulu commercials. Yes. Like, <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> because I we're aliens, and that's how we roll. Plot to take over the world. Bill Nye, the alien guy. <laughs> how many times have we referenced Bill Nye? on three bad times. philosophy three times this is the third time I is think. it yeah. okay um i i wanted to get him to come speak here at tech um, that'd be cool it's apparently possible but he charges about ten thousand dollars i'm not surprised he's bill nye so, yeah and uh, we'd have to get like tech activities board to yeah uh, to, to fund it, all, it so i don't know no, i proposed it to him but they were like yeah, yeah maybe we'll take it in case everybody it. loves bill nye everybody dude it would sell the frick out we got Mythbusters here. Why can't we get Bill Nye? Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah. Well, Mythbusters are kind of our generation's Bill Nye, I guess. To some extent, they are. Sort of, yeah. I mean, they're they're they're, they're an approachable science show. More, um, they're an approachable science show. Realistic. I mean, Bill Nye taught. They are not shown in science classrooms. Why? Why are Mythbusters not shown in science classrooms? Um, because with the Mythbusters don't deal with concepts. They deal yeah. with applications. Um, they're more. They are more of the. Let's see if we can do this. Yes. They're an engineering. And, and it's, it, it, they are. Yeah. And it's. But it's. But that's still useful. And because it's an idea of we have a question. There's. There's still a, a, a seed of scientific method in there. Because would this happen? Would this not? And we go find out if it will. You know, is this possible? Is this going to happen? There's still a seed of scientific method in there. You know, of whether or not this will happen. And they do. I've seen them do 
scientific studies where, where yeah. they have, you know, multiple controls. Yeah, and, and, and they have some of that. They're not rigorous. No. But it's a TV show, so <laughs> suck it. You give people and, some And some they're usually only trying to get impossible or plausible. You know? Yeah. Right. Sometimes right. they'll confirm it, though. Sometimes yeah. they will, like, straight up confirm that this will kill you, don't do it. Uh, the turkey, the falling turkey thing, um, like, it, it, uh, can kill an animal, right? Oh. If, you drop a, if you drop a turkey on Frozen or thawed? Did they Frozen. kill an animal? Yeah, well, not sort an of. actual animal. They they created a skeleton and put it inside of um, whatever that gel is that oh, yeah, ballistics gel. Yeah. Ballistics gel. So they created a ballistics gel dog with a skeleton, and they dropped a turkey on it, and you could see it, it just like it smashed crushed. the spine. Yeah, it just crushed it. They yeah. did it to a human foot. Oh, <laughs> I I am gonna be really careful with turkeys now. I will just put it that way. <laughs> I've never done one of my own yet, though. I will not. Uh, I will. I definitely won't make the frying a turkey mistake. We fried turkeys. It. Oh, oh I, yeah, no. No. We, we thought ours. Um, I've, that's not a myth, right? I didn't, I didn't that know that actually, until I saw that. If you fry it, it will explode. With, Bad things happen. Thawing it, yeah. No, we we fried turkeys for two, three years in a row, like on Thanksgiving. Yeah, it's good stuff. So, I I don't know. Have we talked about science enough? Oh, we've talked about we're, science. We're about uh, we're we're about done with the show. I'd say. Any any closing remarks? Okay, I guess not. <laughs> oh, hey, T-shirts that we're wearing. Um, I have a pretty stereotypical Hawaiian shirt on. Don't diss. Uh, Kevin is wearing... I'm naked under here. That's right. Yeah. And uh, Eric is wearing a... Science T-shirt. It's a girl's thing, which uh, I guess has a certain irony since I'm wearing it. <sighs> well, it's, it's, it's actually funny because they're, they're advertising that in announcements at CHS right now. Really? They're talking about it, trying to get people to go to it. Science is well, for high school hey, students. I, I, anecdotally, I would say it is a girl thing because the tenth grade presentation what got won by a girl. Personally, I, th- I don't think far. science is gender based. But that's just I don't no. Know. So that's it for uh, <laughs> this episode of Bad Philosophy. Thanks for watching. If you did so on Stickam, um, we'll be back next week, probably on Stickam. Sorry about trying Justin TV and having it fail. There's a vacuum cleaner coming, so I think we should evacuate. Yeah. Eric, thank you for being on the show. It was a pleasure. Uh, we, we must have you on again sometime soon. Yes. And uh, Kevin, you're always here. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I won't be on the live shows after too long. Graduate. Yeah, we'll get you on there. Yeah. We'll, we'll get some Skypeage going. Yeah. Well, anyways, thank you for watching or listening. We'll see you next time on Bad Philosophy. The time will come when you're almost gone and you try to guess, but you'll never. To sit in solemn silence in a dull, dark dock in a pestilential prison with a lifelong lock, awaiting the sensation of a short, sharp shock from a cheap and chippy chopper with a big black block. See, this is the problem with, or one of the problems with the English language. Sorry has two meanings. It can be a sympathetic thing or it can be apologizing. And more often than not, I'm sympathetic than I am apologizing. I don't apologize often. Bad Philosophy is brought to you by Skype Out and by Apple. Check out their offers through the affiliate section of our website. BadPhilosophy.com I'm on TV!